Welcome, everyone, to the CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, February the 20th. It's earlier than we normally podcast, so if the podcast is not as good, it's not my fault. Um, we were <laughs> we decided to record early so we could uh, watch the um, Duke Carolina game coming on in a little bit, um, which you don't really care about because as you listen to this, you already know what happened in that ball game. We're actually not going to talk about it though. We're going to talk about Virginia's win over Virginia Tech on Monday. Talk about kind of where things are with the Cavaliers going into this weekend's matchup in Louisville, um, a game that I'm, I'm no doubt. Um, I, I'm guessing that the Cardinals are not quite the team we thought they were before they melted down against Duke, but I'm curious to uh, to hash it up and, and talk about it with these guys. Uh, up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Brad. Uh, 23 and 2. That's 23 reasons to be pretty good. Who Days on the board at Who Days on Twitter. That was not some of your best work. And uh, <laughs> up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on this program. How are you, my friend? You know, I was going to try to think of something, but that was so bad that I'm it was not even so going to try to follow it. Yeah. Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, and I promise you, if you look at my Twitter, you're not going to see anything like that. That was <laughs> that was disgraceful. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and apparently random video clips, because uh, that's the thing I taught myself how to do. Um, all right. I, I do want to actually start with the rewatch. Not that... Um, not that it was anything groundbreaking because everybody watched it already, but I did think it was interesting. The more I sort of dug into it, um, one, how impressive that 2016's group is. Um, and yeah, I'm going to make that stick. You guys are just going to need to get on board with it. Um, but then two, sort of how it crystallized in my mind, the roles that, um, that Jack Salt, that, um, Kihei Clark and Jay Huff should play. Dave, I want to start with you coming out of, of Monday night's game, Another one where the Cavaliers weren't really sharp, you know, wasn't it wasn't a, an effort overall that you want to write home about, but they get a win at Tech. They sweep the uh, Hokies for the first time, I think, since 2015? 15. 15. Yeah. Um, as, as you come away from that game now a couple of days, how, are you, how do you feel about it? Are you concerned with some of the things you saw? What, what's, your, uh, what's your takeaway at this point? I mean, you know, Virginia's got flaws. I think every team's got a flaw. Um, Look, I think it's a little bit different game when you're at Tech, just because it's, you know it's it's not playing NC State, right? There, there's ramifications bigger than losing a a game on the road against a ranked team, especially in my household. So it, you know, just winning that game is important to me. Um, and Virginia Tech was certainly charged up for it and came out, you know, came out with some wrinkles and really presented a challenge. And you know, that's not the easiest environment to play in, even though Virginia won down there last year pretty handily. It's just, you know, it's a terrible facility. <laughs> I, I just, I just like watching games there because the, the lighting's so bad. Um, they seem like they have the softest rims in the world, so it, I guess, works out for us. Um, but, you know, overall, Virginia s- struggle with turnovers as we've seen the last, you know, for majority of the last few games. And I think some of that might be, you know, was after, after the game, I started, you know, when I did the re- my rewatch, which I didn't share with the board and it's, not as good as yours, Brad. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I just wonder how much little things like Ty not practicing as much and, you know, a little bit of injuries and a little bit of change in practice schedule, how something that small when you run an offense that's so 
so many passes Virginia play, you know, throws in their block remover are, are kind of timing passes. And, you know, if you're a little off, um, that affects it. Now, that's not causing you to go from eight turnovers a game to 14. But, you know, that that's one or two of a game, I think. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that concerned me the most was just, you know, Kyle had some really, I don't want to call him boneheaded, but it's kind of weak ball, you know, <laughs> weak moments with the ball, which we don't normally see from him. Um, you know, Braxton had a couple passes. That kind of thing, you know, they survived it on the road just by shooting well um, and doing well offensively and, and then kind of locking down on defense as the game wore on. But those little things can get you in trouble. Um, but, you know, they, they survived them on the road in the ACC, and for the most part, I'm going to be happy with that. You know, I was kind of joking with uh, with my brother the other night. I think it was him I was talking to. Um, you know, Virginia fans really seem to be moaning right now about the team kind of struggling, you know, a bunch of struggle wins put back-to-back. But I, I seem to remember when we're blowing people out, the concern is like, oh, we're never getting tested. So... I guess you got to have it both ways. So, I mean, I'd be more comfortable with the blowouts, but you can look at it as a as an advantage. You, you definitely have, you're getting tested plenty. Yeah, that's true. I, I think too, like there's something that has been sort of brewing in my mind. Um, we we've talked in the past, the three of us on this on this program, we've we've kind of gone at fans in general. You know, whether it's about this or that. Um, but the thing that is kind of speaking of crystallizing in my mind, right? Um, I guess it's more like sort of tattooed on my brain right now is like Virginia fans live and die by each possession in a way that I don't know is necessarily consistent for other fan bases, but it's certainly not healthy. Like every possession and maybe it's because they play at a slower pace and therefore each possession sort of matters more. Um, efficiency is such an important part of the whole uh, success story, right? It's almost as if every every possession is like an indictment or some sort of like um, exemplary f- uh, scenario, right? It's like the worth of the program is in it, like, oh, they don't score, they suck. Like, and that's not good. Like, people have to sort of give it some time to breathe. Just a second ago, I know I'm not picking on you, Dave. I'm just using you as an example. So just a second ago, Dave said that, you know, Kyle had some boneheaded um, turnovers, and I would agree with that. But then you said Braxton turned it over, had some bad passes. He had two turnovers and then one pass that Tech knocked out of bounds. In a game with, you know, 60-whatever possessions, right, it's one thing to to be mindful of, okay, they turned the wall over um, 13 times, and that led to 13 um points off turnovers for for tech which in a game that's tight can be a difference because virginia only scored six points off the turnovers um tech had 21 second chance points which is a concern because offensive rebounding is is obviously something virginia doesn't actively tries not to allow but i i guess the the point i'm trying to make here is that it's not the end all be all if they turn the ball over the point is what what do the turnovers mean for the game? And then if they turn the ball over consistently, what do those turnovers mean for the team? And I almost wonder if on some level, a lot of folks, fans, observers, people in the middle, media folks, whoever, like are so focused on this possession to possession to possession, like kind of cadence to it. You're, you're used to watching Virginia win basketball games. Like Virginia hasn't been bad in a long time and they've won so much that now like, it's not just enough to just win, right? You got to win in the tournament and all that fun stuff, right? It's not enough to just be good in a game. Like, they beat teams by, 
you know, four touchdowns and nobody, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know, they're not really getting tested. This isn't really helping them. And now they're having to gut out wins because they're getting everybody's best shot. People have got more film on them. They come out with different wrinkles. And now you get a lot of up, you know, this is concerning. And I'm thinking maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle, um, that there's plenty of things to be concerned about long term. But whether they turn it over eight times or seven times, you know, like, is that really a big difference because it's one possession it's one possession in a basketball game I, I understand if they if they go in and they turn it over 17 times every night um and certainly they have had some stretches where they turn it all over too much but at the end of the day they're still winning so how do you balance that and I think right now uh and just in general I think people have a problem they're just not really good at balancing that out what do you think Ferber is this are folks getting too in the weeds here they need to to relax a little bit what's your thought I think it's just a byproduct of the um, being good. I mean, like you don't stress over the results. So, and everybody's different. I mean, some people will try to look at the positive. Some people will try to find flaws. Um, I'm not saying either of those approaches is, you know, wrong or anything like that. It's everybody's personal approach. Um, and some of it's not even, you know, on purpose, but I, I think that, you know, when you don't have poor results, you kind of start to look at like, all right, well, you know, we're not, you know, like that first tech game, they didn't have, they weren't probably many complaints. You know, I mean, you'd be a beat the crap out of them basically. And, you know, made a ton of threes and looked super efficient. The ball's flying around, played good defense, you know, didn't really turn the ball over and, you know, not a lot of complaints, but you know, when you win close, it's like, well, people start to think like, well, if this had happened or this had happened a few more times, you know, maybe the game goes differently and that's true. But I mean, if tech, you know, has a few more turnovers or UVA forces one more, uh, you know, a three that rimmed out goes down. I mean, you, you win by 10 instead of six or, or, you know, maybe 15 instead of six, depending on, you know, what point of the game it was and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's a natural byproduct of, you know, b- people being very tied up with this team and how the season's going to end. And I think that, you know, seeing an imperfect product, which is what every basketball team is pretty much, um, gives people pause or makes people, you know, hand ring or whatever about, you know, little things that could become problems in March, you know, in, in a given 40 minute stretch. Right. And I'm not saying that's like for nothing. Um, they're certainly not a perfect team. I mean, they haven't played their best basketball, you know, of late, but I mean, they're on a three game winning streak. They just beat two ranked teams on the road. Um, at the end of the day, there's not a ton to complain about besides the lineup and maybe a few like inconsistencies here and there, but um, and maybe we can get to this, but I mean, I think a lot of those things are a byproduct of some of the things that you mentioned before with wrinkles, uh, coaches, you know, doing a good, the, the league is full of great coaches and, you know, it takes time to adjust. And I think that as, as people want to take negatives about, you know, maybe it's the turnovers or, uh, Kihei's, you know, role in the, in the lineup, you know, maybe it's, he played 22 minutes. You know, a lot of people have said that's too many. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but um, you know, at the same time, you can focus on the positives. Tech didn't get a lot of great looks from three. Obviously, they shot well below where they should have, but um, UVA shot pretty well from three, 40%. Um, you know, in the second half, they clearly made adjustments on both sides of the floor and, and outplayed Tech. Um, they only won by six, but, I mean, they, they could have easily won that game by 13, 14 points, you know, if a couple of things go different at the end of the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand where people are coming from, and especially after you've lost to Duke twice and you can see that, you know, there's UVA is clearly not standing alone at the top of the college basketball universe this year. So, um, yeah, these things are, are concerning if they happen a lot, but I, I don't think that people should necessarily 
be doom and gloom. I mean, you're 23 and two. It's, you know, somebody tweeted at me. I won't say who it was, but during the Notre Dame game, I said that UVA kept getting up to like seven, eight point leads, and then they would Notre Dame would kind of chip away, especially after turnovers or uh, timeouts. And uh, somebody was like, "This team," and I was like, "Well, this team is 22 and two. I mean, it's not going to get much better than that." <laughs> Like, I mean, if you're looking for better than that, then I don't know what you're looking for. Um, one thing I, I was thinking about as you were talking, first off, we, we need to we we need to to at least when we're talking about tech, we, you know, they don't have Justin Robinson, who is arguably their best player. They don't have Chris Clark for the whole season, arguably one of their best players. Um, I don't know what Landers Nolly would have meant to that team, but whatever. But the the point is, is that they don't have multiple players, and so both. Uh, Alexander Walker and Ahmed Hill both play 40 minutes in this game. Kerry Blackshear and Ty Outlaw both played 39, more than 39 and a half minutes in this game. Um, uh, BD played 19 and, and change, and then the other three dudes um, got the rest. The fact that they were playing sort of Iron Man, for all intents and purposes, that's exactly the sort of lineup that's going to struggle against UVA because they're going to make you work hard. And I do think that they go, what, three of... Um, 28 from three. I don't think that's by accident. I mean, I don't think they just forgot how to shoot. Just like, I don't no, think and, and, the day before the Duke game. Tell me like, yeah. I mean, I've had people tell me like, you know, maybe they should have made some more of those, but part of it is because you're tired. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They UVA were tired. Makes, there's a reason UVA's three point defense is so good. I mean, part of the pack line is giving people those three. So you would think that some teams would be able to take advantage of that. And clearly, you know, Duke did in the second game, but you know, three for 28, it's a byproduct of some bad luck, but it's also, bad legs i mean you know if you're playing especially tech you know playing all those guys 40 minutes but right running through all those screens and stuff on the defensive end it wears you out and you know it's just harder to make those shots exactly and the thing too is that i, I mean look they go three of 28 for 10.7 percent from deep all right um there was one lead change in this game right and i i mean you can you can pick nits all you want you can say oh too many this oh too many that who won the game and I'm not saying that you can't look at the at the body of work and say, okay, this is good, this is good, this needs cleaning up. Like some of these turnovers is a breakdown of the rewatch. Like some of these turnovers are very fixable. Guys are throwing not necessarily just lazy passes, but sort of like um, they expect it to be. They expect the pass to be easier than the opponent will allow it to be. And what I mean by that is you see sometimes a guy instead of you know he's got good control of the ball and he's throwing it with purpose. There's a lot of like. Um, passes that seem to come up one hand, sort of in the motion of the arm, and there, there's just too much finesse, as Tony Bennett said after the game. Like that stuff is fixable. Like I'm not, I don't think you should bang on people because you know they got an offensive foul call. There was a, there was a, a turnover that's, um, you know, on Diakite that was a that was a called a goaltend. Um, you know, the one Clark had was he's trying to make the right play because he wants to get the ball in Ty Jerome's hand as quickly as possible. He didn't make the he didn't turn it over because he was trying to go hero ball and go up the sideline by himself. You know what I mean? There are things that are fixable. And I think for a lot of folks right now, I don't know if it's because, as I said on uh, Wes McElroy's show this week, like maybe it's that we're getting closer to March and that and the nerves are starting to kick up. But like there's so much Nick 
like like nitpicking of this team and everything that's going in there. And I, maybe that's a function of, hey, look, they're turning the ball over and they don't look like themselves. Maybe it's a function of they just haven't looked as dominant as they did and you want them to peak at the right time. But I think there's a whole lot of truth in the middle somewhere, which is, yeah, they've got some stuff to fix, but they're still 23-2. and two. They still got, what is it, Dave? 23 reasons to be happy. Um, you know, they... You know, it's 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 uh, you know, it's not terrible, uh, even if it even if there's some stuff they need to clean up. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, we, we talked about the ACC this year. You know, there's a lot. You know, there's a couple, maybe two, maybe three heavyweights at the top. Right. And then there's this pack in the middle and then there's the trash. Well, um, if you look at you know the struggle Virginia has been on, they've played very few teams. I think Miami might be the only team in that. Well, they've got Miami and Wake Forest since January. They've played um, since the tough stretch. But, you know, since January 15th. Notre Dame. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You're right. They suck. Um, They just lost to Wake Forest. Yeah. So, yeah, they're terrible. Um, But, you know, Virginia's since January 15th, so the last two months, basically, in the last month, you know, Virginia's played Tech, played Duke, went to NC State, you know, after getting delayed in at Notre Dame, played Duke again, went to Carolina, had Notre Dame at home, and then went to Virginia Tech. Like that's a pretty good month. Um, and let's not, you know, forget the fact that that Taz had a bad back in there. And you know, the games they they've lost, they lost to Duke, obviously. But even just going back to last Monday when they went to Carolina, they won their last three games. Um, you know, Carolina on the road to Carolina, home to Notre Dame, and then at Virginia Tech. By a total of six, what, fourteen points? Uh, sorry, twenty points. Um, like I, I'm, I appreciate the fact that we can be concerned when we've won three games by a total of twenty points, and two of them against top twenty ranked teams on the road. Um, that's a pretty good problem to have. So I, I think you're right. I think it's, I think March creeping up has definitely got us all a little antsy. Um, and, and Duke's pretty good, and that kind of weighs on you too. Um, but I'm not overly concerned. I mean, Virginia's margin, average margin of victory in the ACC is still 13.9 points, even after this little, little swoon. Um, <laughs> you know, it, that, that's not a bad problem to have. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, well, we're, we're at a point where Virginia has 11 ACC wins, and we still, you know, still have nits to pick. That's that's impressive. Um, yeah, it, it's a good time to be a Virginia fan. I'm trying not to ruin it by picking too many hits <laughs> it's like we all had a summit and there was a we all agreed that there had there was a problem and we all need to figure out what to, what it is to solve it because i feel like that's all anybody is trying to do right now right is to is to have conversations about what's wrong and how do we fix it and i said this week too like it's a rorschach test like you watch and then like it doesn't matter what the data tells you like i don't know why but i feel like they play with kia clark and jack salt too much together on the floor and i want them to stop doing that right the data doesn't back me up like it's, it's a feel thing. We're all like watching it and we, this is what we feel. We're feeling out loud. You know, oh, this doesn't look right or oh, this is a problem. And ultimately, who, who's winning the games? Like they, they lost two games to the same team, which happens to be full of like really um, incredible basketball players. Like they're not, you know, maybe some of these things were a little tighter, but they won the game. Like it's not, you don't get, nobody's, who's going to care, right? If in the first week of April, they win a game. It is the last game. They had 17 turnovers. Anybody going to care? Anybody going to care if they gave up 23 points on second chance points? Anybody going to care if if they if they uh, if they you know had too many too if Clark played too many minutes? Nobody's going to care, right? It's 
the, the, ultimately what you're trying to do is you're just trying to get better so you can you win more games. And right now they have won 23 of the 25 they've played. Um, and I feel like, yeah, it's fair to, un- to talk, have conversations about like, yeah, this is a thing or this or that's a thing. Um, I think it's the place where it goes to like this nuclear sort of like, um, oh, the, the sky is falling. That is it is a little bit that like it hurts my soul because I just can't take it because it's just not it's just not reality. If they lose yeah. four games in a row, feel free to like start grabbing your pitchforks. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it why this feels different than previous years. Yeah. Look, you, Virginia was dominant last year, but they had stretches where there were some tight games, right? I, I feel like the reason this is different, it's it's the Huff and Clark thing. Um, that's never existed before. There's never been like these Twitter arguments about, hey, Clark's playing, you know, this player's playing too much or this player's not playing enough. I mean, think about last year. DeAndre Hunter was just starting to play good minutes at this point last year. You know, he was a sixth guy coming off the bench, and there were not as many people clamoring for his minutes as there are for Jay Huff right now. Um, which blows my mind. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna get into a is Jay good argument, but you didn't see that kind of passion for even Dre Hunter's minutes last year, and then you know Clark's minutes. Look, we we that's a whole other podcast, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit. But um, we talked about it last week actually. So I, I think that's what makes it feels diff- feel different. There's there's just another layer of the of the nervousness is yeah. like, oh, they're struggling and maybe it's because player mm-hmm. X is playing too much for player Y. Is right. It? right. It's like a second guessing sort of thing. Yeah. Ferber with, with Louisville coming up and, and as we, as we record this a little bit early, um, Louisville apparently losing at the half to Syracuse, which is not exactly a result I expected to be, um, conversating about tonight. Um, with Louisville coming up, um, I, I don't want to say <laughs> what do they need to do? What do they need to fix? Uh, but how do you see those Virginia and Louisville matching up? I feel like Virginia is just too consistent, even when they're not necessarily playing, you know, when they don't have their best stuff. They're still too consistent for that team. And nothing exemplifies that better than what's happened to them, both in the Duke game and then against Clemson, where they basically had that thing won, and then somehow Clemson still had a chance at the end to win it, and now they're down to, to the orange. How do you see these two teams matching up on Saturday? Without giving away too much of your preview, but in general, how do you see them matching up? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of it for Louisville is going to be, I mean, this sounds kind of non-analytical, but I think it's going to be a lot, a big factor is going to be just, you know, how much, how do they feel about this game? Like, what does it mean to them, right? Because I think you could feel in that Duke game that they were up for it. I mean, they they wanted to win that game. They knew it was going to be a great environment at home. And, uh, you know, they were going to try to get after it. And then you watch them in other games, and you're like, this team looks like they're sleepwalking. Like, I mean, at, right now, I mean, they're losing by, like, 12 to Syracuse. but And Syracuse isn't terrible, but, you know, it's, it's just not indicative of a great effort. And then, you know, Saturday after that Duke game, you know, they kind of struggled with Clemson at home, scored 56 points. You know, Florida State on the road before that, um, you know, they, they lost a big lead in the second half and then and lost in overtime. So, you know, if they lose tonight, then they've lost uh, four out of their last six with the wins being Clemson by one at home and then at a wounded Virginia Tech team. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they're kind of regressing back towards the mean. You know, I don't want to say they are what they were predicted to be in the preseason because I think they're clearly better than that. Um, but I think that, you know, them being 7-1 and one in the ACC after, you know, a really good start, if you look at the games that they won, I mean, it kind of makes more sense now if you, if you, you know, just – figure that most of those teams aren't that good. I mean, they beat Miami at home. We thought that was a good win. It wasn't, you know, they lose to Pitt. The, the win at UNC was good. And then the rest of them, 
you know, home for Boston College, at Georgia Tech, home for NC State, uh, home for Pitt, at Wake. I mean, that, that's not exactly like a stretch of games that nobody could win, right? Um, but Chris Mack is a good coach. I thought that that was a, you know, an awesome hire. We talked about it at the time. Uh, I think he's going to do a really good job there. He's already recruiting at a really high level. So I think that in the future, they're going to be really good. Yeah, I don't know if this year's team is going to be able to stay with Virginia on a per possession basis just because I don't know if they're going to be able to be consistent enough. Um, they're, they're top 20 on both ends of the floor in, in adjusted efficiency. Uh, Jordan Wara is, you know, the player to watch, 6'7", you know, wing player. He can score in a lot of different ways. They have a really good big man in Enoch. I mean, I think that that's going to be an interesting matchup and then some experienced guards, but – I think that UVA is going to have kind of like a physicality advantage just because their guards are a lot bigger than than Louisville's guards, if if I remember correctly. Um, and then I think DeAndre Hunter can probably do a pretty good job containing Wara. So I'm not completely, you know, frightened of going to Louisville on Saturday. I think it'll be another good test and a good road environment. And like I said, I think a lot of it will come down to are they pissed off about what happened last year or do they not care? Because I feel like if they go in – and treat it like uh, you know, it's a good team coming in, but not like Duke. Then I think that they'll they'll lose by double digits, probably. What do you think, Dave? As as, as this one looms uh, coming up, um, what are you, what are your thoughts on it? Sorry, man, I couldn't find the mute button there for a second. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> wow, not much. Sorry about Dave, man, Dave, Dave not really excited to yeah, talk about I'm the not Cardinals. Really excited about this one? Um, no, I mean, um, look, I, I'm sure Mac knows the. You know the issues Louisville's had with Virginia, and they're a rival, right? I mean, that's what that's what evidently that's what they are now. Um, but yeah, I think we probably, like Justin was saying, I think we probably overvalued Louisville a little bit. But you know, and they they kind of do what Virginia does on defense, so our, our guys kind of know what they're trying to do. Um, I don't I don't know where to rank it. Like I think it's probably less of a challenge than than Blacksburg. Um, just because I think our guys can be a little more, you know, you know, have a little more rest going to that game, obviously. And then, um, you know, they, they've had success there and you probably not as emotional. Um, I don't think the guys are as emotional as I was <laughs> Monday night, but they, I'll be shocked if Virginia loses it. I won't be shocked if it's a close game just because I, I think Louisville's got some athletes and, and can create some space issues on our, you know, for Virginia on defense. So, um, I mean, I think Virginia wins it by a few possessions. I don't expect a blowout. I don't know that I'd absolutely be shocked if we lost. Um, but, yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so, I mean, I, my guess is I'm guessing Virginia will probably be a seven- or eight-point favorite in that game. Um, yeah. It, I don't One know. thing Louis, I will Louis, say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I, I think Louisville's better than last year. I, I just don't know that they're that much better. Yeah. I think the the Duke game kind of exposed a little bit of a, a chink in the armor as far as, you know, like how ready are they to be there? I mean, they look like they didn't want the basketball. Like they wanted the game to be over. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to add that Chris Mack runs a lot of pack line principles. So uh, that might help them a little bit. You know, they run, they run against it in practice a lot. So, I mean, maybe they'll be a little bit more prepared than the average team is. That's fair. The other thing, too, I, I hadn't thought about this till Dave said it just a minute ago. Um, but so they're playing tonight and then they got to get from Syracuse and get home, which is, you know, you're playing at home. That's great. But I mean, 
I don't know, man. I, 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 Virginia, I think, comes in with a little bit of an advantage having played Monday um, and getting a little bit extra rest. Um, so they, they, they sort of had to, to make a down payment on that, you know, playing two weekends and doing the whole two games, three days thing twice. But, um, you know, I think you're, both of you guys are, are kind of, I'm, I'm in the same place with, with kind of what I expect from Louisville. I think I still, I still wonder how a team can have a kid like VJ King on it and not do anything with him. And that's weird to me. Like he's a really talented player. Um, not really sure what's going on there, but sometimes the transition can can be hard. Um, I I think I want to talk a little bit about Kyle Guy though, because we have talked in the in the recent weeks. We talked about Jay Huff. We talked about K. Clark. We've we've kind of talked about this team. We talked about Ty Jerome's back, and the thing that has been consistent, the thing that has been there um, in spades, has been Kyle Guy. Um, he has. Uh, he's rebounded well. He's obviously shot well. Um, I think he's done a really nice job of, of being a team leader. Um, what he did in the Carolina game, what he did in Blacksburg the other night in the first half. I mean, we scored 17 of his 23 in the first 20 minutes. Um, he's been he's played a lot of he got a lot of burn. Um, he's he's constantly if you watch him specifically, he's constantly playing in these games with guys who are much bigger than him checking him. I mean, most teams want to throw length at him in hopes that that's what can slow him down. Um, physicality seems to be the only way to go. And he's, I mean, he keeps delivering and I don't know. I don't know where it ranks the season he's having and sort of the, the expectation that every time he shoots, I expect him to make it. I mean, there were definitely some times with Joe Harris where that was the case. Um, and, and I mean, look, Malcolm had some, some just incredible moments um, down the stretch and, um, I don't think Kyle is quite to the place where he can take over a game in that way, but what he does so consistently in terms of shooting and scoring and the pressure that that takes off of other guys and what it creates for other people, I think it's, 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 uh, it's, it's significant. And I think folks, a lot of people don't, and they don't do it intentionally. Um, you know, they don't mean to, but they sort of, I don't want to say they take it for granted. They just don't talk about it much because it's sort of just part of who he is as a basketball player. Um, I, I'm going to toss this question out in terms of a, um, a quasi superlative, but sort of where he ranks in the big scheme of things. Um, he's got the quickest release of any Virginia player I've ever seen. Um, and he's got the, uh, the ability to get a shot off in a way that I can't remember any other Virginia player even coming close his his ability to 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 get himself a shot even when he doesn't have the space nor the uh the 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 setup is 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 kind of mind-boggling uh dave in terms of your favorite cavaliers over the years where does he rank and is that even a question you can answer when you know he's still got games obviously in front of him i mean it's tougher when you get older because you know it it's it's the moments you remember as a kid that made you a fan that always stand out a little more but I'm pretty sure I've tweeted this over the last couple of years. Like there are kids who are going to be Virginia fans now because of Kyle guy. Um, like the, some of the shots he hits and just the bravado he has when he takes them. Like for me, that guy, Richard Morgan was the guy who kind of got me going. Um, you know, Rich, Richard was a high volume, extremely streaky shooter. But when he got on, like he did against Carolina one fateful day in 1989, um, you know, pulling up at, five feet outside the three-point line on the fast break and knocking them down like that moment like Kyle's had similar moments you know moments that are gonna 
they're gonna we're gonna see 20 years down the grove some other dudes are doing a podcast talking about Kyle guy um for me like he's up there i i tweeted during the game uh monday night like you know, I said Kyle Guy's first team all they see. I don't, I don't think he'll make it this year, but I, I think he's having a better season this year than they did last year. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And, and, you know, he's he's still a guy that needs. He's still not, you know, he, he's at his best when he's kind of catching and shooting. But he's so much more dangerous now with the ball in his hands, um, and it's just added a whole new wrinkle to his game. And we've seen good shooters. I don't know that we've. It's been a while since we had a shooter was not only that good but willing to take it in the biggest moment um now yeah. ty will take a big shot but but kyle like he's a special dude man i kind of feel bad for him that he's playing third fiddle to ty and dre um and i don't think he's going pro but i would not be absolutely shocked if he if he considered it um i mean he's not going to get taller so and it, it, if there ever was a time for a for a shooter in the nba is now i don't i don't think it's going away next year um but I don't think that's something you can take <laughs> off the table, and I wouldn't blame him. No. This whole three-point thing isn't meant to last. <laughs> yeah, it's not meant to last. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dave's over there giving people vertigo, right? He's like, oh, wait, wait, what? They're all leaving at once? Uh, that's, they, a, that's a discussion that's for another. That's the deal he took last week, so it's happening now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's another episode of the podcast. That's true, and look, and if that's the way it plays out, like I, I'm never going to be – I'm never going to judge a college kid for when he decides he would like to go make money. Um, I, I will, will – We'll certainly want to cover the kid for as long as, as as he wants to play. But I think the season he's having and the way he's doing it, um, certainly a lot of a, a lot of road ahead in terms of like how that helps to write that story. I just think that it's really special and, and I think that we don't talk about it enough. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean he's he's special. Um like, you know, just echo all the things that Dave said, like his ability to get shots off from all these different angles and, and coach K even compared him to JJ Reddick, a comparison that he does not make. Um, you know, and, and I don't think I understand where he's coming from. I mean, I think that his ability to shoot, you know, off balance, off one leg, uh, in the middle of three guys, you know, he can shoot from different angles too, with his release. Like he can release it over his head. He can release it quick, you know, whatever it takes. I think that, yeah, like Dave said, he hasn't really, I mean, he, I don't think he has like a signature, like buzzer beater type, moment yet in his career or anything like that but what he does have is a ton of run killing threes that's the thing that i kind of think when i think about him like it seems like whenever they're in an offensive funk or like the other team's kind of chipping away he has a lot of he's made a lot of threes in his career that have been like you know kept the team at arm's length or got uva off of a funk right and i think that I think the one thing I'll say is there's a lot of people that can make threes. I don't want to make it seem like he's the only person who can make threes. Um, you know, and, and like Dave said, you know, the players that get you interested, you know, Curtis Staples was, you know, the first UVA player I remember going to see as a kid and, and, you know, his ability to just make a ton of threes was, you know, it, it definitely had an impact on, on me watching basketball and wanting to play like that. But, um, I think that, his Kyle's ability to kind of get his shot when he gets it and just the, the pure percentage that he's shooting at, it's not something that we're likely to see in a generation, you know, like maybe UVA brings in some guys that can shoot like Casey Morsell can shoot. Right. But I mean, Kyle is just, he's on a different level when it comes to that stuff. You know, me and Brad have been lucky enough to watch him warm up time and time again, and he doesn't really miss much. You know, it's just, he just has an innate ability to, to hit those shots from without looking at the basket even sometimes and 
you know, UVA, like I said, you're going to have players in the future that can shoot the basketball and, and do it well, but players with his ability do not come along very often. So I hope the fans, you know, kind of take it and, you know, enjoy it for what it is while it's happening. Yeah. And I, and I would echo that. I think the other thing too, the, the, this, to Dave's point of the, you know, the signature, or maybe it was for, I don't know, remember what you, you guys are basically the same person to me. Um, which, which one of you guys said it about, you know, he doesn't have like a signature sort of, um, that was me. Okay. Sorry. But <laughs> I just said it like, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there was something that happened this morning that I felt like was like yesterday. And I was like, what? No, I'm, I'm getting old. Um, but like, he's, he, that, that's a good point. That Carolina game, for example, um, that's going to be, you know, yeah, that might be it, actually. you know, for right now, at least. But to me, it's the way he 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 be, he put himself to be the face of the, what happened last year. Now, whether you liked it or not, whether you liked the way he went about it or not, um, he has not shied away from it at all. And I think that was exactly the sort of tone that they needed to have. I think that he somebody needed to be uh, the guy. And I think that's what's no pun intended. That's what's interesting about this team. DeAndre Hunter's their best player, right? Kyle Guy might be their most important player, and Ty Jerome is their leader. And how many teams, how many years can you say that that those three accolades, superlatives, whatever you want to call them, were three different guys, right? Because when Malcolm, these were when they were they were Malcolm's teams, you know what I mean? They were Joe Harris's teams. Um, to a lesser extent, they were London Prontus's teams. Like this is an interesting year because these three guys who are clearly not beefing internet, um, these three guys who who are close on and off the court, like they they share this mantle, um, and they sort of have to do it as a group. But what's interesting to me is that when you win as much as Virginia wins, unless you're going to go to a Final Four, there aren't those signature moments, right? You're not going to have a Sean Singletary shot against Duke because you didn't suck and upset Duke. You know what I mean? Like you're going to need, um, you know, you're going to need more than that. Yeah. And so I yeah, feel like, like there's some, if, if UVA was like, you know, 500 when he made those shots against North Carolina and they, you know, weren't very good that that would be the most memorable thing that happened, you know, in the season. Right. Right. But that's not the case. Yeah. Um, what, what, what amazes me about him, you know, there's ACC on you know, several teams have, have guys who can shoot well. Right. Um, Kyle's had games where he's been off. He almost every game he's able to get his shot and knowing what he is. And, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier, like he is still a guy who kind of relies on the catch and shoot. You know, that's when he's at his best. Like throughout his three years here, no one's ever been able to shut him down for a complete game, at least for getting his looks. Now he's missed some, but you know, he, that was, that's what amazes me. Um, and just the one thing I forgot to say, like we're talking about, I think he's probably got the quickest release. Staples is really fast. Um, yeah, but it came from a different point. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I mean, Staples was kind of back behind his head. Um, I had a chance to play against Curtis. Uh, oh Lord, here UVA. we go. Here we go. Like it was, I was the the extra guy on the team playing against him, and I, he got one shot up when I was guarding him. Like his feet were halfway up. You know, it felt like his feet were at my face when he shot the ball, which blew my mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, he kind of goes back behind his head a little more than Kyle does but Curtis like needed to be squared up when he caught the ball and like J Justin was saying yeah. like, Kyle can catch it and corkscrew and get set it's amazing 
He's the, the only other person I've seen that can do it consistently like that is JJ Reddick, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting people like some, there's some smaller guys like Iverson that could kind of do that stuff in traffic, but not like consistently from three probably. And also I think part of it that gets forgotten. And if you, especially on like rewatches, like Brad's doing now, um, I think the thing that stands out is it's not just his ability to get the shot off from different angles. It's his ability to get space to get the shot, right? He is so good at these plays that they run. Like, it's unbelievable sometimes. Even in North Carolina, if you go back and watch those back-to-back sequences that led to those threes, his ability to confuse defenders about, like, what the play is and just, like, cat, like he's like a cornerback that is yeah. baiting or yep. a quarterback into an interception. Yep. Like, that's what he's – he's, like, basically so good at just off the ball – you know, casually he gets moving, in your head and then he man. cuts and then he's gone and it's yep. too, and then he gets the shot off so fast. You can't make up that time. Yeah. Right? He, he doesn't need much more than a, than a, than, a uh, than an eyelash. Here's what I also found interesting in 2018. He made, he was 83 of two twelve for, uh, from three for shooting percentage of 39.2%. So far he's already, he's already made 78 threes this year, but he's done it in about 30 fewer shots. Right, he's seventy-eight of one seventy-eight for forty-three point eight percentage. Um, he at this point he's got two hundred and twelve three-pointers, which would which puts him uh, knocking on the door of um, he. Let's see, he's just past Leonard Perina, so he's in six behind J.R. Reynolds, who has two twenty-one, Singletary two twenty-two, Harold Dean two thirty-seven, Joe Harris two sixty-three. He could do in three years. I mean, I think it's totally plausible to think that he, you know, depending on how long the season goes, he could be nipping at Joe Harris's heels by the by the uh, by the end of the season. That's remarkable if you think about just what what sort of the one the limited number of possessions that they're running, right? Like he, how it's it, it's exponential, right? It's not just that he's he's making these shots, but he's like Virginia just doesn't get a lot of shots, um, and then he's doing he's shooting forty three point. Eight percent. I just think, like I said, I I know we talk a lot about different guys and how important this and that is, and you know I I've talked a lot on the board the last few days about you know the importance of that 2016 squad that that five um, and even Jay Huff, you know when he's ready to accept that mantle. But man, Kyle Guy is is everything when he committed to Virginia that you would have wanted him to be, and um, you know I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes uh, from here. And really, like think about. Just real quick, just think about how bad that offense was at the end of 2017. Absolutely. The stretch where they kept losing those games. And these are some of the players that were playing. I mean, you had London, but you had – a, and then you had obviously like Mariel and Darius Thompson. Uh, but, I mean, like Kyle and Ty, I mean, they were playing significant roles. And now look at them. I mean, they couldn't score. Not them specifically, but in general, that offense was a black hole at times. I remember that Miami game. That was like one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. And now, I mean, like they have one of the best offenses in the country, and that just people forget sometimes how much players can develop over the course of two, three, four years. He didn't, Kyle didn't walk in like this. Mm-hmm. And what'll also be interesting is we we we've we've touched on it a couple times, but if let's you know, regardless of however the other NBA decisions and whatnot work out, if if he if he comes back, what kind of numbers he can put up, and then what when you talk about who's going to take the big shot and who's going to you know it'll be it would be you know his squad so. There's a lot, obviously, that's out there for him, and certainly um, a lot left this season. But I just thought it would it it would be appropriate to talk about because, like I said, the kid's having a heck of a year. Um, I think he's going to be all ACC. I think I think f- because of what he did in front of um, you know against Carolina was important. Um, Dre has been 
very good. And I don't want it to say that he's not. Um, in terms of what what the numbers show, though, I mean, Kyle has been exceptional. Um, and I think, too, because he's improved his rebounding. I mean, he's such a better rebounder now than he was. Um, he, he's, he's, done a, he's done a really nice job. Uh, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up uh, this week? Usually this is the part where you guys get quiet, so I just know that you don't have anything else to say. I think that's it. <laughs> I don't think he's really going pro. I just like scaring people. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to. But thank if he does, but if he does, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, if you, if he does, we 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 take no. Uh, if you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your shows. Um, I believe we should be on Spotify now. If you are a Spotify customer, you like Spotify and you can't find me, uh, send me a message on on the board or Twitter or whatever. Uh, and I will look into it more. I think I think we should be there. Uh, but Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Podbean, wherever you get your shows. Um, also, likes and, and reviews help. Um, so uh, if you can give us um, some of that, it would uh, be very much appreciated. Uh, if you're someone who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the site yet, check us out, capscorner.com. Right now you can uh, read that take two on, on the tech game where we basically give you those two takes, why the Wahoos want it, what it means. Uh, I got video on the site of Kyle Guy talking about that dunk tip he had. How do we have a podcast? We didn't talk about uh, the dunk tip. Um, Braxton Key talking about breaking out of his shooting slump. Um, I'll have some video of Ty Jerome for you later uh, today as you listen to it, talking about turnovers and the role that Guy and Key have played. Um, and, of course, you can also check out that rewatch um, that we talked about earlier um, where I embedded a lot of video, which is a pain in the butt. But I think it uh, turned out pretty well. Uh, also, coming up later today, you can check out uh, Ferber's updated ACC Power Rankings, and we'll get you set for Louisville on uh, Saturday with his uh, preview tomorrow. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I also want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>